This week, we're continuing our Advent series. Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas uh, where we wait, we uh, set aside time to uh, think about Christ's coming and what that means for us. The word Advent means the arrival of a notable person or a notable event. And so we take the four Sundays before Christmas to think about the hope, love, joy, and then this week we'll think about the peace that Christ brings us at Christmas time. So we take time to pause and to remember that and to get ready for it, um, for Christmas. And we do that partially here by lighting candles. You'll see we have five candles lit, or not lit, five candles in the front. And this week we've lit our pretend candles. We've lit our fourth candle. Each candle represents one of those things, hope, love, joy, and peace. Uh, we have an Advent devotional that we've been encouraging you to take home and to do one of the devotionals each week uh, with your family. And I want to encourage you that, I know it seems weird to be pitching it on the last week when Christmas is on, when is Christmas? Friday? Saturday? I don't know. Friday. And so our service is on, I don't know, Saturday, Thursday. Days don't really matter, do they? Um, Whatever day Christmas is, I did the math already, and you have four days before that that you can take, and you could do one day in the devotional uh, with your family each day. So these are in the back. They're completely free. They're a good tool that we've uh, taken and adapted, and uh, we've got special recipes on the back even. So grab one of these for your family. They're in the back. Take it home. You can do it over the next four days. We've also encouraged you to grab this book by uh, Dane Ortland. It's Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. This book is also completely free. It's in the back. We have hundreds of copies. We've been telling you all Advent to take it because we've been doing uh, basically the hope, love, joy, and peace is chapter one, two, three, and four in this book. So if you didn't take one yet, please take one today. You've got four days before Christmas Eve. You could read a chapter a day and you could get through and caught up with us in our book. Um, we'd love for you to join it, uh, join us in that. But the big picture theme of our peace today and really Advent as a whole is that we can always run to Jesus in trust and in prayer because he came for us. Um, so this week uh, is peace. Jesus came to us as a baby, as a human to give us peace. You can turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be starting in verse 14. If you're borrowing one of our Bibles in the pew in front of you, it should be on page 1003. Well, you're turning there. Uh, I want to tell you, if you were here a few weeks ago and you heard me preach, uh, you heard a lot more of my background story and kind of uh, what I did before I worked here and and a little bit about my history. And I want to tell you a, a little snippet of some of that stuff that I kind of glossed over in big picture, I'd like to tell you a small story uh, today. When I was uh, still in the army, I was uh, much younger and much more fit, and I was a young tank platoon leader, and I found myself in Najaf, Iraq, and I was leading a platoon of men, and it was um, it was a, a great experience, but it was, it was uh, 2011, and it was Iraq, and we were on a small base, and we were closing down bases. That was when we were leaving Iraq back then. Um, and so we were closing down bases, and a lot of the smaller bases were getting getting rocket attacks. So we were on pretty high alert. We were trying not to let people know uh, what we were doing. We were still doing a lot of missions and meeting with our, our partners there uh, in the police and in the Army. And so we had missions scheduled 
every day. We were going out and doing stuff, and, and we were on a small base. It didn't have, uh, you know, a, a shopping center. It didn't really have a lot of the amenities that, you know, we enjoyed, I guess, not really that we need needed, but it was three platoons, so when we wanted to go to the big base for something, say we needed an extra maintenance need or something, we would rotate who went and took care of that need so that we could you know, stop in and buy energy drinks and donuts or whatever we would buy. Um, and so we were scheduled for a mission the next day, and a maintenance need came up, and it was our turn to get to go to the big base. And so uh, we swapped out missions with another platoon, and we took the maintenance need uh, up to the big base, and that was going to be our plan. So the other platoon took my platoon's mission, and we uh, kind of took a mission, a little leisurely mission, to go do uh, some maintenance at the big base and then also to, to sneak some energy drinks in. Um, so we left, and we went up to the big base. and uh, Big base. I don't even know if it was really that big, but we went up to a bigger base that had a little shop at, and, and we went, and we, uh, me and one of my guys parked our vehicle in line for maintenance. No offense to maintainers, if any of you are maintainers in here. Um, but sometimes it takes a long time uh, to get work done in a bay. And so, obviously, they knew we were from a different place, and they knew uh, to, you know, kind of make it a little quick for us. But, you know, we got in line, and we were waiting. And so we sent the rest of the guys to go over to the shopette and get their energy drinks and to enjoy a little bit of relaxing time away from uh, our little home base, and we're waiting in line and waiting in line, and we hear over the radio, Thunder X-Ray, this is Mad Dog X-Ray, troops in contact. So our little company base was taking contact. Our guys were getting attacked, and we were far away, um, and we're standing in line waiting for maintenance. So the maintainers did a great job of moving us to the front of the line and, and getting us to where we could move. But the big base was where the reaction force, the, the response was going to come from. The help was going to come from that same base that we were at. So it was pretty far away, and our guys were in trouble. We were far away. They were alone, and they needed help. And that's all you get for now. We'll see if we can finish the story later. Um, If you're able, would you stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's word? This is the word of the Lord from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are near us. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that you left your throne to come to this earth, to be among us in our filth and in our sin, to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved, to give us your perfection so that when you look at us, you would see Christ's righteousness and not our filthy rags. We ask that you would help us to trust you more and in trusting you more that we would run to you with confidence. We pray these things because of the power that Christ gave us through his work on the cross. Amen. You may be seated. 
We, because we're going to California for Christmas, as a family, we already did our Christmas together. So we're actually a little bit ahead of everyone else, and we have already talked about peace around the table. When we're talking about peace around the table, I asked my son Joseph, actually asked everyone at the table what peace meant, but Joseph's response was calm and quiet. And I think he's right. <laughs> and there's some, there's some truth to Peace being about calm and being about quiet. Um, that's obviously not all of what peace is about. Uh, it's, it's more than that. But I, I would say we all crave peace. We all want to have peace, but peace is hard to come by. You know, maybe you have a lot of kids at home and peace just doesn't happen that much. Or maybe, um, maybe you think you can't have peace because you've done too many things that you don't deserve peace. Or maybe you feel like you've seen too much, so you won't be able to have peace. Or maybe you don't trust God enough, and so therefore you can't have peace. Uh, maybe you feel like if you work harder, you'll be able to, to get peace, if you just work hard enough. Or maybe you feel like God just doesn't understand me. How can he even be talking about peace? No way he can understand, because he's perfect. He can't understand it. And we have this season where we're hearing these things about Emmanuel, and we're singing about Emmanuel, God with us. And that sounds all good and nice when things are going well, right? But when things are hard, when we're at our low points, when we're in weakness, it's not as easy to feel like we can have peace or like God is with us. Uh, Dane Ortland and Gentle and Lowly, the book that we've been asking you to read along with us, that if you haven't, it's in the back and you can grab it and you've got four days to still catch up with us. Um, Dane Ortland describes uh, this section of, of scripture that we're talking about, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and he specifically talks about verse 15 uh, being the anchor. So I'm going to read you a, a quote from Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly. He says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, verse 15. The burden of this anchor verse is Jesus Christ's sheer solidarity with his people. All our natural intuitions tell us that Jesus is with us, on our side, present, and helping when life is going well. This text, though, says the opposite. It is in our weakness that Jesus sympathizes with us. Our tendency is to feel intuitively that the more difficult life gets, the more alone we are. As we sink further into pain, we sink further into felt isolation. The Bible corrects. Our pain never outstrips what he himself shares in. We are never alone. That sorrow that feels so isolating, so unique, was endured by him in the past and is now shouldered by him in the present. He cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing can hold him back. His heart is too bound up with yours. Again, from Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Today we're going to talk about peace for the weak. That's our theme today, peace for the weak. Uh, obviously, we are the weak, and obviously, Christ gives us peace. We'll have two points today and two only. So if you're expecting three, you came to the wrong sermon today. Um, our first point will be that uh, about peace and war, that the God of the universe went to war on our behalf by becoming a baby, the baby that we are waiting for, this Advent baby, uh, the theme of Advent, and defeating sin and death. Those are the two ways that Christ went to war and brought peace. 
And then we're going to talk about peace and confidence that we can hold fast to this historic Jesus, to the God who took on flesh and became that lowly baby who came for us and that we can run to him because he's our brother and because he's strong and good. So let's look at our first point that comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Since it's a small section, I'll read it again so it's fresh uh, in our mind. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Uh, we sang a Latin song this morning, or a song with a little bit of Latin, and I got away with it at first service um, because my mother-in-law wasn't here to judge my Latin. But I'll tell you, if you know Latin, mine's probably pretty bad. But uh, when I was in the barracks at Fort Knox, they had a phrase up on the wall, and it said, uh, don't judge me, si vis pace per bella. That was probably really bad Latin, but it means... If you want peace, prepare for war. Um, and I think it's, it was really interesting because at the time we were doing that as like, we're in training and we're going to learn how to fight so we can bring peace to a nation. But as I'm looking at this text and seeing what Christ has done for us, we see that he went to war on our behalf in order to bring peace. So this phrase uh, naturally came to mind. So this, this war of Christ becoming a man that we see in verse 14 um, talks about him being a high priest. And kids, if you remember a few weeks ago, uh, we were talking about Isaac and Abraham and the sacrifice that God asked Abraham to do if you were in elementary ministry with us. And we talked about how that sacrifice was a sign or a picture of the sacrifice that God would ask the son to do, that the father would ask the son to do. Um, but God stopped Abraham from making that sacrifice. But just like that sacrifice, the other priest would also make sacrifices on behalf of the people. But those sacrifices were not like Christ's sacrifice. They were not a once and for all sacrifice. They were temporary sacrifices that stayed off or held off God's wrath. Um, the temple had God's presence at it, but sort of. Um, it was an atonement for sins, but sort of, uh, it really just postponed or held off God's wrath. Uh, it was an illustration of what Christ would do, uh, and it was an illustration of Christ and his work that would happen for us on our behalf. But at this that Advent coming, and, about, and in the scripture that we're reading in verse 14 and 15, about Christ passing through the heavens, we see that Christ left his heavenly throne, he left perfection, and he came to this earth. He came to live among us sinners. He came and was a human, which is crazy, uh, to be with us, to fight a battle for us on our behalf. So the first act of war that we see in this text is Christ coming and becoming a human and being with us. And then we look to verse 15, and like Ortland had said, it's our anchor verse. It's why we can hold fast to our confession in verse 14, and later why we can have confidence in verse 16. Um, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is a weird implication to think about, because often when I think about God, I think, Man, yes, I get it. He came and he lived a perfect life and he didn't sin. But 
I mean, he was God, so it was easy for him. He was perfect. Yes, he was tempted in, in every way, kind of like me, but I mean, it must be harder for me because I fall into the sin. This temptation overwhelms me, right? But when this says that in every respect, he has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, his temptation actually, if you think about it, was greater because he was tempted past the point that we make it to, right? We're tempted and tempted, and then we sin. And that's the end of our temptation. Temptation's over now. We're in our sin. But he was tempted further because he still didn't sin. So his temptation, actually, he can understand us better because he knows it more deeper, more fuller than we did. Um, He knows our struggles, and he can understand us. And then, after he lived a perfect life, after he died the death that we deserved, after Christ, or after the Father raised him from the dead and affirmed that his sacrifice was good and right and acceptable, he passes through the heavens again and goes to God. And sometimes I'll feel like, man, yes, okay, I get it, but God is so far away. He's distant. But you know, because he came with us, because he was tempted in every way, he can sympathize with us. He can know how we feel, and he still shoulders, like Dane Ortland said, he shoulders it by him in the present. So that's part of how we can know that he went to war against sin and death, and we can be confident and we can trust in him because he knows our temptation. He knows what it's like to be tempted, and he understands us, and he passed through the heavens. One of my favorite Christmas songs is a strange Christmas song, that maybe you've never heard from before. It's a Christmas song by a name, Chris, help me, Dustin Kensrew? Kensrew, maybe? Yeah, yeah, power to Dustin Kensrew. Um, but this is a Christmas song called This Is War. It's my favorite Christmas song, and it gives a good idea and a picture of, of what um, this war that Christ did looks like, what this war of becoming a man and this war against sin and death is. Let me read you the song. It says, this is war like you ain't seen. This winter's long, it's cold and mean. With hangdog hearts, we stood condemned, but the tide turns now at Bethlehem. This is war and born tonight. The word is flesh, the Lord of light, the son of God, the low-born king, who demons fear and whom, of whom angels sing. This is war on sin and death. The dark will take its final breath. It shakes the earth. It confounds all plans. The mystery of God as man. One of my favorite Christmas songs talking about God coming to earth and God fighting against sin and death on our behalf. If you haven't heard it before, look it up. It's a, a different Christmas song. Uh, the music video is pretty fun, too. It, it paints a picture of a, a couple in World War II if, as if that was Jesus coming on our behalf. Um, but what does this look like for us? What's the implication or the application uh, uh, from this text? It's that God's not far from us. God came to us, and he knows our weakness. He knows what it's like to be hungry, to fear, to... to um, I don't know, I said hungry already, and that's what's in my notes, so I'm just going to move on. Uh, he knows it intimately. He knows it more than we know it ourselves, and we can trust him. We can trust him in our finances. We can trust him in our raising of our children. We can trust him in our doubts. We can trust him with our health. We can trust him with our lives. 
But what does it look like for you, kids? What does that look like? Well, God's word and truth is not just for adults, right? So kids, you can trust him when you fear. If you're afraid of the dark, if you hear scary noises, you can trust God because he cares for you and he knows your fears. He wasn't just some superhuman that didn't uh, wake. He woke up with perfect hair and wasn't afraid of the dark and didn't have fears. He had fears. He knew them. Uh, so he, you can trust God in those. You can trust God if you have unkind friends at school, kids. You can trust God with homework that you don't understand but you've worked hard at. You can trust in God's laws and his promises, his commandments. Kids, you can trust in the parents that God gave you. In verse 16, we, we move on to talk about the peace uh, that we can have and the confidence that we can have in Christ because of his work that he did for us. Let me read verse 16 again. It says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So let us then. So it's saying because he went to war on our behalf, because our high priest is the high priest, because he left his throne and because he came to us, because he's near us, because he fought that sin and death, because he was tempted in every way, yet without sin, he can sympathize with us like we saw in verse 15. Because of that, he's close to us. And that closeness didn't end when he went to heaven. He can sympathize with us. And sympathize means to have your heart inclined towards someone. It's another way to say um, that, that we are who he loves. It's like a parent's love for a child that gives the child peace. Um, a few weeks ago, my son woke up in the middle of the night. They had gone to bed. Uh, my wife had gone to bed, and I was up still. I think I was just reading a book. Maybe I was working uh, on this a little bit. And I just heard my son scream and start to cry, and I knew instantly what it was. I don't know how I knew what it was, but I knew instantly what it was. He was going to vomit. <laughs> yep, it was bad. And I had two options at this point, right? I could have sat on the couch waited it out, see what happened. Maybe he wouldn't throw up. Maybe he'd throw up and I could go clean it up and he'd fall back asleep. Or I could run to him and be with him. And I, I ran to him. And I ran to him and I grabbed him and I scooped him up and he was screaming and I said, Daddy is here, Daddy's got you. And I ran with him to the bathroom and I got him to the toilet before he threw up. I'll tell you what. And he threw up in the toilet. But that's not the point. The point is that I, I mean, it's nice, but I came to him and I loved him and he was scared. You can't, you, if you're a kid, you know what it feels like. Or if you were a kid, you know what it feels like to wake up in the middle of the night and feeling nauseous, like you need to vomit. And you feel like you can't control your body and you don't know what to do and you're out of control and you just kind of freeze and you feel like you are afraid. Well, just like I came to my son. That's the same way that we can think of Christ coming to us and being with us. And I'll tell you, I cleaned up Joseph and we got him back to bed. And not 30 minutes later, he woke up screaming again and I ran to him again. And I grabbed him and I scooped him up and I started running to him at the bathroom. And we did not make it to the toilet <laughs> that time. He threw up all over the floor 
And the mess was everywhere. And I stayed with him and I said, Dad, or, Daddy's here. It's okay, buddy. It's okay, buddy. And he, he threw up and he calmed down and we got him changed and back to bed. And not 15 minutes later, he woke up again and he was crying and screaming. And I ran to him and I picked him up and he threw up all over me. <laughs> and I was there with him in his mess, in his grossness, because I love him and I care for him. Just like Christ loves and cares for us. And we don't have cooties anymore. That was a couple weeks ago. And we're feeling better. So they're here with us uh, today. But, but that's the type of, of feeling and love. And kids, that's the type of scaredness we can feel. And the fear we can feel. But the type of trust we can have too. Like a parent coming and loving us. We can always run to Jesus. Because he came for us. Because he's the perfect high priest. Who can sympathize with us. Who knows what it's like to have lived our lives. His sacrifice was perfect and the Father accepted it as payment for our sins and for our transgressions. So we can approach him confidently, boldly, trusting that God knows our needs and he knows what's best for us. That he, that when we come to him, we can come to him in community. We can come to him gathered together like this. We can come to him separately in prayer We can come to him in small group, uh, knowing that God looks at us and he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our guilt, but he sees the son's perfection. He sees that perfect baby that we're celebrating lying in a manger. So we come to him in prayer. Confident prayer looks like trusting that God knows us, that he knows what we need. Trusting in Christ looks like being vulnerable in small groups being in community together, serving, the things we talk about, following Jesus. We're running to him with everything we have. He cares about the big things. He cares about the small things. He's with us when things are going well, and he's with us in our weakness. We can cry out to him wherever we are, whatever we're concerned about. We can run to him with our hopes, with our love, with our fears, with our doubts. We can run to him with our joys because he's near us. And that nearness can give us peace, real peace. So what does that look like for us? How can we advance in our prayer? Well, adults, we have a 24-hour prayer um, team kind of thing that happens once a month. If you want to get signed up for that, we each take an hour shift and we pray. And if you don't know what to pray and an hour sounds overwhelming, uh, Loris is in charge of that and he'll send you prompts to pray. We pray for our city. We pray for our leaders. We pray for our schools, and he'll give you a list of things to pray for during your hour. And our church takes an hour to pray for Colleen and to pray for Bell County. You can join us in that. You can join our prayer team. It's uh, uh, less um, less intense, I think, than an hour of praying by yourself. Loris will send out prayer requests from the church and from the city, and you can just pray a quick prayer for them and talk to God about what's going on. You can pray together and join in small groups like I talked about, or in three by five groups. If you remember, our three by five groups are just you grabbing a friend or two, spending five minutes together, sharing a high and a low and praying for each other. So if you don't have people you're doing that with, come to Jesus in that. Come to Jesus together in community, praying and trusting in him, confident because you know that he knows what you need. You can read pre-written prayers. You can Google, what do I pray about in this situation, what's a good prayer to pray at dinner time? What's a good prayer to pray at bedtime? If you don't know what to pray, 
Pray somebody else's prayer. That's okay. You could write out prayers. What are you thinking about? How can I talk to your God? Write them out. Pray them. Write your own. I have some book recommendations for you on this side um, that can help you in your prayer life if you want to look at them, um, look into them. I have Seeking the Face of God. That's by Gary Thomas. Um, You can grab that book, and it helps in looking to God and being confident and trusting God. Paul Miller's A Praying Life. We talk about this at least once a month. So I don't know where you've been. If you haven't gotten this book yet and you haven't read it yet, get it, okay? This is a great book, an excellent book on prayer by Paul Miller. Another book that's been super beneficial for me in my um, in my walk with Christ and growing in knowing how to relate to him and communicate with him is a book called Celebration of Discipline. That's by Richard Foster. It's not specifically just about prayer, but about um, a lot of spiritual disciplines that you can practice, you know, like fasting and such. So Celebration of Discipline, I highly recommend that one. Uh, Prone, to Mo- Prone to Wander is a book of, of confessions and celebrations. It's a book of prayers. Um, this one is by Barbara Duguid and Wayne Hook. Hook? I don't know. But there's, there's a call to confession and a prayer of confession written uh, in, in each section. So you can look at that. And then another book we talk about a lot um, it's called Every Moment Holy. And again, if you haven't gotten this book yet and you don't know this book, we talk about it a lot. This is a book that's, um, I guess we would call it liturgies, but it's a book of prayers that you can pray for all kinds of situations, uh, for vacuuming, for making coffee, for changing dirty diapers. You can open the book and there's, there's a prayer in there that you can pray. Every Moment Holy, an excellent tool uh, for parents and adults uh, to look at and get for your everyday life to incorporate more trusting in Christ and confidence in Christ because he cares for us. What about you, kids, when we pray? What does that look like? Well, if you're in elementary ministry ever back there, you know we often say, fold your hands and close your eyes. We're going to pray, bow your heads, right? Do you know that we don't actually have to do that? Did you know that? God still hears us even if we don't do that. We do that because it helps us not be distracted. But maybe that's not what's best for you. You know what? You can talk to Jesus however you want. You don't have to fold your hands and close your eyes and bow your heads. Now, if your parents tell you to, obviously you will do that. But God hears you and you can talk to God and come to God just like you're talking to mom and dad or just like you're talking to a friend. You don't have to say any special words or anything. You can just talk to God. And adults, you can do that too. Did you know that? You don't need special words and phrases. You can just talk to God like you're talking to a friend. And you know what else you can do, kids? You can ask mom and dad to pray for you. Mom, dad, I'm afraid. Mom, dad, I don't know what to do about this. Teenagers, mom, dad, I'm having trouble at school. My friends want me to do this, and I don't want to be part of that. And mom and dad, you can say yes when they ask. I want to continue my troops in contact story for for you. So we had we had heard on the radio, um, you know, Thunder X-ray, Mad Dog X-ray, troops in contact. So we just got a report. They're in contact. We're waiting in line. The maintainers push us in front of the line. They take care of our maintenance needs, and we get on our platoon radio, and we're like, everybody back. The the red platoon's in contact. We need, we need to get back there right now. Quick reaction force is going to take longer. You know, quick reaction force doesn't really know those guys. They're at the bigger base. There are other guys, and these were our people. Our people were under contact. Our people were getting attacked. Um, and so 
That was probably the fastest pit crew move I've ever seen from the maintainers. They got ready. All our guys dropped their energy drinks, didn't worry about them. We raced to the trucks, and we got in, and we came to our guys because they called for help, and we were going to come for them because they were ours, and we cared about them, and we knew them, and we knew the struggles they were going through. So we got in our trucks, and we rushed down there. And I'll tell you, we got there before the quick reaction force got there, and our guys came to us confidently because we were a safe haven. We were bringing peace. And I'm not going to pretend like that day ended up just perfect and everyone was fine. Not everyone made it home that day. But the point of the story is is that idea of coming because we can sympathize. We know you. We've been with you. We can come to you in your weakness. God can come to you in your weakness and bring you peace. So because Christ came to us in our weakness to bring us peace, he left his throne, passed through the heavens, and became a lowly baby, born in a humble stable. He lived the perfect life. He was tempted in every way, just like us, but without sin. He knows what we go through better than we do, and he died the death that we deserved. He took our punishment, and God raised him from the dead, accepted his sacrifice, And now, for the Christ follower, God looks at us and sees Christ's perfection. He fought that war, becoming a man. He fought the war of sin and death so that we, the weak, might have life and peace. We can always come boldly running to Jesus because he came for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you came, that you didn't leave us in our distress that you didn't leave us in our brokenness, that you didn't leave us in our sin and in our guilt, but that you came and you became a man, that you became this baby that we've been longing for and waiting for, the baby that would bring hope, love, joy, and peace. We thank you that you lived the perfect life we couldn't live. We thank you that that you died the death that we deserved. We ask that you would be with us, that you would go before us, that you would be behind us, that you would help us to trust you more, that you would help us to come to you confidently, knowing that you care for us, that you shoulder our burdens, that you are a good father who is strong and kind. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.